0: what is it, 20-something years, um, and, and all the difference that it's done and the ministry that it's made. And this was the last year of Soul Survivor, uh, which is a little bit gutting, but we're looking forward to seeing what God's got next. Um, before we look forward, let's look back and hear some of the stories from the young people. So guys, come along up. <laughs> Woo! We're all supposed to be wearing our hoodies, but I'm having a hot flush, so <laughs> Take <your> time. <laughs> Come <on>. up. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, is this song? Yeah. Outsource Survivor, I had two experiences of a lifetime. One was when I was being prayed for and I felt a real sense of relaxation. I got an image that I was falling from a cliff, rapidly picking up speed, but Jesus was there to catch me the whole time. The other incredible experience that happened to me was when I was praying for Abby. I was praying more of God when I felt a definite message telling me to pray for Callum. Callum was so grateful, Callum was grateful for my prayer and others also received a message to pray for Callum. After praying, I was a bit scared of all the Holy Spirit had done that day. All my friends cheered me up and encouraged me lots. I've been really trying to keep my frequent frequent prayer up, and it's going really well. This year at Soul Survivor, there were lots of new people who had never been before. I really enjoyed praying with all of them and watching them grow in faith and friendship. I realised that watching people fall over in the spirit and cry and laugh was really nice to watch and that praying for people is just as fun as having those sort of experiences yourself.
1: My experience at Soul
0: Survivor was one of the best experiences of my life as throughout the week I saw the Holy Spirit's presence in it, in others and in myself. He works in amazing ways, causing people to fall, scream and laugh, letting out these raw emotions which have been troubling people for years. It was absolutely amazing to experience, and it was sad to see it go. However, next year we'll be going to DTI, which is another great festival which Soul Survivor is passing the baton on to. I pray that in the next year many more youth will come to continue to praise the Lord and venture a life filled with God's love. Uh, one of my favourite parts of Soul Survivor was uh, just talking to loads of other young people from all around the country who um, yeah, who just have a faith in Jesus. And my favourite part is where I gave my life to God and became a Christian. Yeah. Um, so this year was my first ever Soul Survivor, and with some slight blackmailing from Sarah, I gave my life to Jesus as well. So, yeah, I, uh, I can't wait to build on the experience and use it as a foundation to grow stronger in faith. What I enjoyed most about Soul Survivor was the seminars, because I learned more about God and felt closer to him through that. And on the last day I decided to commit my life to Jesus. For me Soul Survival was an amazing experience and it like really changed my perspective on my faith and I've come back knowing that I'm so much stronger which is amazing and I hope that my faith will grow and but it was also like really exciting seeing people laugh cry and faint with the Holy Spirit but it was also very like scary as it was my first time but I'm like so glad that I got the opportunity to go. Um, Before I went to Soul Survivor, my life was a bit, like, crazy. Um, Yeah, I wasn't, like, the happiest, but then I, like, ploughed through every day, and I thought it would get better. Then I went to Soul Survivor, um, and God took everything that I was, like, scared about and afraid of, and it made it his, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, And then I gave my life to Jesus.
1: Hello, I'm Kat. I know I don't know that Kat, but she's (laughs) delivering babies or doing something today. So this is um, from her. This is her um, thoughts of the the week. Uh, My overarching memory of God, of Soul Survivor, was the heat. You would think it would be better to camp during a heat wave rather than the rain. But I challenge you to stand in a tent with 8,000 other people and say that with confidence. But having said that, it was a tremendous privilege of accompanying the group of young people to Soul Survivor. It was lovely to see how they cared for each other and served each other. It was incredible to watch how receptive they were to God and the Holy Spirit working in them. They were a real inspiration. I was so excited to see how they continued to grow and walk with God. Dan, Jacob, and Joel really modeled what it is to be passionate for Jesus, and I believe this inspired our young people as much as the incredible worship and teach- teaching. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I must say special thanks to Keith and Heather, who served us tirelessly and thoughtfully, and throughout the week. And I couldn't survive them without the well-timed coffee. There you go.
0: This was my first year going to Soul Survivor. Before I was, before I, before I went, I was constantly doubting myself about how I looked and how I acted. When I was at Soul Survivor, God talked to me, and He said that He loves me the way I am. Before I went, I did not believe in God at all. But on the first night, Mike called um, people up to talk in front of, like, no, not talk, like, to go up and stand and become Christians. I felt like he was calling me to go up, so I did. I'm so glad I did because now I feel much better and happier. This was my first year at Soul Survivor. Before going, I wasn't really the best at talking to God. But at Soul Survivor, God spoke to me a lot and I experienced falling over in the spirit, which was really good for me because it was just like me and him talking. And um, since Soul Survivor, my faith has become a lot stronger. Also, my relationship with the youth has been a lot stronger. Soul Survivor is an experience I will never forget. This was my third year of going to Soul Survivor and this year was different because I was baptised before I went. Since, since getting back from Soul Survivor I realised that I believed a lot of lies which then I made them my life but since I got home I've been making those lies not true and I have found most of them were lies and that I was living my life on lies but now I'm trying to turn it around. So I'm living my life on truth. To do this, I've been asking God about it because he knows me in and out. Um. Wow, well, this is loud. I went to this year's Soul Survivor and it was awesome. The best bit was being with my friends and listening to Mike teach and I decided to give my life to Jesus. This year was my third year at Soul Survivor and my best one yet. As I didn't have my dad tagging along with me this year, I really got to... I really got to enjoy getting to know everyone so much better and and developing lasting friendships. Something I really enjoyed this year was just watching my friends grow in their faith and praying for them as they develop in their walk for Christ. I would like to say a big thank you to all the wonderful youth leaders for giving up their time and bringing us to Soul Survivor and making it such an incredible, incredible time for all of us. Hello. <clears throat> um, after years of my siblings going to Soul Survivor and bigging it up it was my turn um, so there was definitely an expectation which it lived up to um, and I really enjoyed the banter and the fun that I had with all the young people and um, also I loved seeing uh, all my mates in the youth group come to faith and um, them experiencing the Holy Spirit and, um, and it was amazing to see what God was doing in all these young people's lives um, in the big top. And it was also great to see all the youth grow stronger um, in their relationships with each other.
1: It's me this time, yeah, it's me. Uh, what can I say? I've been to Survivor now for eight years and it's just an incredible experience. Um, Personally, I've just learned so much, and my faith has just risen just massively from that. Um, As a youth leader, I've been doing this for 35 years, and I think your prayer more than anything else is that young people come to faith, and not just that, that they just get really deep into their faith, and what Soul Survivor does so marvelously is it gives them an environment where they can come, they can listen, and they don't feel as though they're by themselves, and um, it does it really, really well. And our prayer as a youth team at the beginning of the year was really to help them bond together. And this year has just been amazing for this. And for me, the highlight, I think, was looking back on the last night, watching them, watching teenage boys that jump about, that praise God, that lift their hands and sing, is one thing. Seeing other people being prayed for, being open to be prayed for and praying for others is just incredible. It's what you pray for every day. This group is amazing, the way they love each other. They're just brilliantly brilliant. Um, Dan, Jacob, Joel, you're incredible. The relationships that they are forging with young people is just brilliant to see. I'm getting too old for this, and to know that you lot are stepping up and doing more than I ever could is just fantastic. So well done, and... um, But I think something else that stood out for me this year, and Spencer mentioned it today, is that we get to see sometimes the mountaintop experiences. We get to see this thing, and it's brilliant. But actually, it's not us. It's God working within them, but it's actually you lot. It's the prayers. It's the thoughts. It's the texts that go on week after week. It's the investment in their lives. It was lovely to see how Spencer mentioned Chris. It's people like Chris that actually will pray for these people. You don't have to work in, week in with these young people. You've just got to take heart for them, care for them, and pray for them and just develop those relationships. Um, they're not a scary bunch, actually. They're all, they're all lovely, really, when you get to know them. And I would just encourage you just to invest in them. And also, for me, it's just so much answer to prayer. Sometimes you hang teenagers out and you just don't believe in them, and they're just incredible. And it's just so many people's prayers that came to fruition this that week, of people that you thought wouldn't be saved, that went away from church, that came back. So for me, Soul Survivor is brilliant because it gets me to share in all of that and see all of that. And, uh, yeah, just amazing.
0: Hi. At Breakout, the kids' group at Soul Survivor, I got a picture from God. It was of my mum's broken thumb. Then lots of sprinkles covered it and it was healed. I went back to the campsite and gathered a few people to pray with me. We prayed a lot, and it kept on getting better until it was normal again, and my mum did the rest of the week without the support on it. It was completely better, and I had never felt so engaged to God. From that moment forward, I promised myself that I would always spread God's love to those who wanted it or needed it. Since then, I have prayed with a classmate, and a problem that was quite big for him became much smaller and was sorted out. Alright, anyone else welling up? Just me. (laughs) Just have have a little drink, because both my sons have had man flu today uh, over the last week, and they've shared that with me, so I've got a slight chill. (laughs) And I'm a little bit emotional. (sighs) Who was counting how many people gave their lives to God? Six! (laughs) That is pretty cool. They spaced it out over the week so I wouldn't get overexcited, but on the last night, four of them went forward, and a load of us went forward with them, and we were really able to pray for them as a family together, and that was that was really awesome. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit more um, about my thumb, which Nicole was just talking to you about. I fell over on the first day of the summer holidays in a move that my mum calls typical Sarah. And I broke my wrist, and I ruptured the ligaments down here on my thumb. Um, and I had an MRI scan, and they said it was pretty nasty, and I'd got six weeks to heal, or they would I would need surgery. Um, and it was incredibly painful, and a bit of a miserable start to the summer holidays. But in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, oh, Soul survivor's five weeks away, I've seen loads of people healed there, maybe God will heal it. What an idiot. I now realize I am. Because I've read my Bible, and it clearly tells me that miracles can happen anytime, anywhere. But I made excuses not to pray for it in that five weeks leading up to Soul Survivor. Um, Some of the people I would have asked to come and pray with me were already on holiday. Therefore, I couldn't pray for it. Um, If I asked the kids and it didn't get healed, that would be awkward. And I lost sight, if I'm honest, I lost sight of the fact that it's the same God in Ipswich in July as it is in Peterborough in August. Um, And I thought to myself, if I ask God for healing, what will I do? I lost sight of the fact it's not up to me to justify whether he does or doesn't do that. So I'd put God in a box. I'd hemmed him in with my own limitations. And the more I started to think about that, um, the more I became aware of the earthly limitations that we all put around God, And so here are some of the the God-in-the-box statements that I've heard in the last month. I'm looking forward to Soul Survivor. I hope God will be there. When I'm baptised, I will hear from God better than now. Next year, I will start giving some of my income to the church. I will be financially secure enough to trust God then. I don't like to pray about silly things like the weather because I know God is busy. God promised me a better job, but... I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want to jinx it. These are five statements that I've heard over the last couple of months. And in all of these situations, we are doubting God because we are putting a human spin on his promises. We're putting him in a box of our limitations. And as such, we are robbing ourselves of the chance to live a life that trusts him completely and the benefits of that. And we see the same thing happen in the Bible. If we aren't intentional enough about holding on to what we know we know, Satan twists it with a clever half-truth. And before we know it, we're taken in by his lies. And Adam and Eve were a classic example of this. Do you like the picture? Mark said I couldn't have boobies, so that was a compromise. Um, Adam and Eve were a classic example of this. God says to Adam and Eve that they are free to enjoy everything... In the garden, they can eat from every tree apart from one tree because that will not be good for them. But somewhere along the line, at the beginning of Genesis 3 to be exact, Eve forgot God's generous provision and this allowed Satan to twist the truth just a little bit and convince her of a lie. So, Eve knows that she can eat from every tree except one. God, the kind and loving Father, has provided everything she needs and more. And he's warned her away from the one thing that will harm her. And that's not because he's restrictive, but because he's protective. I tell baby Joel not to run in the road, not because I don't want him to have fun with cars, but because I want to keep him safe. And that's why God gives us the few rules he does. Satan, however, uses his favorite sneaky trick and changes the word slightly when he speaks to Eve. He asks her, Did God really say you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The subtext here, of course, is God's quite stingy, isn't he? Does he not share? And whilst Eve does try to correct him, she adds her own restriction, saying that God told them not even to touch the fruit. Subconsciously, she has now believed the lie that God is restrictive. There is a danger when we don't ensure we know what we know. We need to keep referring to scripture time and again to make sure that God is saying what we think he is saying. Because once Satan has Eve questioning the motives of God, it's a really simple step to convincing her to turn away from him. And hey presto, he's convinced her that she's better off ignoring God's advice. And Satan can write this down in his notebook of sneaky tricks. Trick number one, tell them a half-truth and let them live their life believing it. Trick number two, keep them so busy they don't notice that's what they're doing. All of the thoughts that I mentioned at the beginning are based on half-truths, and as such, they're dangerous because they're difficult to spot and correct. The first one, from a young person, I'm looking forward to Soul Survivor, and I hope God will be there. The truth is, of course, that God is everywhere. We can seek him wherever we are, on mountaintops and in valleys. 1 John 5, verse 14, tells us, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. If we believe we have to wait for the next big occasion, or even the next Sunday, to meet with him, then we're seriously limiting our relationship and the way we grow with God. The second one, when I am baptised, I will hear from God better than I do now. This is unlikely if you don't spend time with God praying and seeking him. The Bible tells tells us that when we call on him and come and pray to him, he will listen. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. But the danger of thinking in the way that the young person was thinking was that she hadn't understood the relationship would still need work after her baptism. And she may have ended up feeling deserted by God. Of course, she can hear from God and she does but only by taking the time to listen and learn. Number three. Next year, I will start giving some of my income to the church. I will be financially secure enough to trust God then. Not really trusting God then, is it? Um, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So if we wait until we're secure enough to trust we're really trusting in ourselves and not in God. The Bible tells us to give 10% of what we have to the church. And if we decide not to do this, then we're deciding that we don't trust God in that area. Like we don't believe that he will be enough for us. So when we hold something back, anything back, we are stopping our relationship with God and hindering our progress. Number four, I don't like to pray about silly things like the weather because God is busy. Don't worry about that, God can multitask better than any woman can. Deuteronomy chapter 7 tells us the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. God hears all our prayers and he answers every one of them in accordance to his will. Number five, God promised me a better job but I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want to tempt fate. The trouble with thinking like this and living like this is that we aren't giving the glory to God. So when you get that better job, you can't then go back in time and go, oh yeah, God did promise that I would not tell anyone, because it's much less convincing. We are called to live in a way that brings him the glory. 2 Timothy chapter 4 tells us, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. If God has promised you to something, live in that promise. Trust him and yourself and move forward towards a time when you can see that those promises have come true. So, that, so we can see that for every half-truth we believe, the Bible provides the full truth. God does not want us to live a life of doubt and fear, but live in truth and freedom. Not all our prayers are answered in our time or to our immediate liking. And in these situations, it's even more vital to keep referring back to scripture, to maintain a relationship of praise and worship with the Father and hold on to what we know we know. And looking round in this room today, we know, we know that God has his hand on us. Seeing Spencer in that pool this morning, I'm all (laughs) And seeing Chris Sheldrake back with us, we know even if when we wake up in the morning we can't feel it we know what we know and we know God has his hand on us so I'm just going to finish with an embarrassing example of how we twist ourselves and convince ourselves that we're doing what's right when really we're missing the mark so I was in town in the Christmas holidays with all my kids and lunchtime sneaked up on us Uh, so we decided to head for Greg's for some of their hot and more importantly cheap sausage rolls (laughs) Cheap sausage rolls, that's where we've got to. Uh, My kids consider these a great treat. So with high spirits, we marched past the homeless man sitting in the doorway and into the warmth of the shop. When everyone had eaten their fill of sausage rolls, there was one left over. So with an enormous sense of my own generosity, I popped the now cold sausage roll in a paper bag and gave it to the man outside the shop, who, to give him his dues, accepted it gratefully. I started to walk away buoyant with the success of the day. Happy kids, and I'd even done some do-gooding. Satan let me believe that I had done enough. Thankfully, I didn't get far. God leapt out of the box that I put him in. Did that fully grown man who had slept outside in the cold all night really need less food than my 10-year-old? See, the Bible, I know, tells us to give first with love and generosity, But somewhere I had twisted that, twisted what I know I know, to such an extent that I was pleased with myself for giving a child of God my leftovers. I went back, I apologized, I took him inside and brought him a full meal of his choice. By this time, I think he'd decided I was a nutter. (laughs) But he humored me politely and he sat down in the warmth to eat. God doesn't ask us to do more than we are capable of. But he does ask us to live in faith. And that sometimes means stepping out of our comfort zone. So in a minute, the music group are going to play a reflective song. Hopefully, that's what I requested. During the next song, ask God silently to highlight to you now something you believe but which is not quite right. Perhaps you've accepted a lie or doubt that something can change. Are you relying on yourself instead of trusting on the provisions of Him? Are you hooked on control, subconsciously believing no one can do it as well as you can? Satan tells us that these things are okay, that it's healthy to look after number one, that it makes sense to buy everything you need before you give things away. But Jesus tells us the opposite. Could you be more generous with your property, money, or energy? Are you holding on to something? because you can't imagine life without it. Ask God now to show you the truth in that situation and how this could change the way you live. I'm just going to pray. Thank you for your unending love and provision, Lord. Help me to pray that you are generous. Help me to remember that you are generous and overflowing in graciousness. Help me to live my life out of that truth. You are slow to anger and quick to forgive, and I thank you for who you are. Father, I sometimes believe the lie that you willingly withhold from me. Please forgive me of my unbelief. Thank you for the grace found in your Son. Amen.